It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So um, we've got a new exciting free beer offer on Footballistically Arsenal. As a loyal listener of the show... We can reward you with free beer thanks to our friends at beer52.com. You have the opportunity to sip eight free exclusive craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash Arsenal and cover just £4.95 for the postage. What's more, Footballistically Arsenal listeners get two extra free beers, so that's a total of 10 free beers. And just if you're wondering who Beer 52 are, they are pioneers. They go across the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries on the planet. And um, they have themes. They deliver cases with different themes, including Germany, Korea, Norway, South Africa, California, Finland, and many more. Um, and the beauty of Beer 52 is they don't hold you to ransom. There's no lock-in. You can leave any time, but your first box will be sent to you the next day. So just go to beer52.com forward slash Arsenal to get your first case of eight beers for free. And don't forget, um, Footballistically Arsenal customers get an extra two beers free. That's beer52.com forward slash Arsenal. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I'm Boyd Hilton. I am not joined by sidekick, sidekick Josh this week, who has lost his voice. Um, he was chanting Venga come back uh, relentlessly <laughs> yesterday at the Man City game, and uh, it's all gone to shit. And he can't can't speak. So, I mean, to be fair to him, there's no point in taking part in a podcast in a purely audio form that this podcast is if you can't actually speak. But who needs him? Who needs Josh when you've got two splendid guests? We have AFC Camden himself on Twitter, actual name Dean. Welcome, Dean. Thank you, Boyd. Nice to be here. Uh, with a vast array of followers on Twitter. How many have you got? Remind me. Not that I'm counting. Go on. And I think I say that every time I come on here. I mean, it's but, on your um, profile, so you don't have to count. Yeah. They tell you. Um, 84,400. <laughs> How many? 84,400. 84,400. Yeah. That oh you hear, that shock, <laughs> is uh, Max Goodborn, who is t- first-timer, newbie, uh, friend of Josh Landy. So I feel like you're the kind of Josh substitute today. I mean, you know, you're a human oh. being in your own right, Max. Welcome. <laughs> 
Boyd, Dean, <laughs> pleasure's all mine. Um, yeah, great to be on here. And Thanks. Looking forward to discussing all things Arsenal. Yeah, now you're, you have got a Twitter account, but yeah, I checked it. It's, not as many shall followers Shall we say it's a tad Dean. dormant? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't try and get involved as much as, no? as, as Dean might do, but um, every, a passing tweet here or yeah, there about yeah. the game. Fair enough, yeah. Um, as we speak, it's, it's currently Monday, it's Monday the 16th of December, 7.05pm. I only say that because we're gonna, by the time we finish this in about 40, 45 minutes time, or by the time it goes out tonight, later tonight, first thing tomorrow morning, whenever the fuck it goes out, later tonight, um, the, the managerial situation may well have changed massively. But right now, as we speak, as I'm sure everyone knows listening, but let's just um, underline the situation, last night, 1am... Um, Arsenal delegation was photographed hanging out outside Mikel Arteta's house. Now, I mean, apparently they were, they were emerging after a few hours of talks. They were just hanging out, hoping to get an audience <laughs> with him. Um, so right now, as we speak, it looks like it's beginning to look a lot like Arteta. Although I just che- I checked your Twitter feed, um, AFC, AFC Camden, with its, with its hundreds of thousands of followers <laughs> just now. And you're saying... Um, oh, my phone's gone funny. You're saying, and I quote, I'm cautious when it comes to manager appointments at Arsenal, after what happened last time. All roads now seemingly point towards Arteta. However, Poch has been, and maybe still is, the main target. Interesting. Ooh. Either way, yeah, either way, it's clear Arsenal need to make a move this week. Can't go on as is. Now, your sources tell you that um, Poch was, and maybe still, the main target. Yeah, so please explain. <laughs> so a bit of background for Max, you may not be familiar with my account, but the reason I have so many followers was the insight that I was able to provide over the years around potential, you know, transfers, managerial appointments, although we've not had many of them over the years, team news, injuries, etc. And that's how I've built my following. And I've got a couple of sources around the game, uh, specifically uh, linked to Arsenal. And what they've been telling me this whole time is number one target for Arsenal is Pochettino. And it's a hard one to get your head around, you know, him leaving Tottenham in the circumstances that he did, thinking that he would move across the divide to Arsenal. doesn't seem realistic. However, when you put it into context in terms of he won't have to uproot his family, he'll be able to stay here in North London, the circumstances behind his sacking at Tottenham, the fact that he was obviously talking to Mourinho for a number of weeks before that point, you know, may lead him potentially to be swayed. So that's how I've understood it all the way through. And he's almost been going under the radar, aside from David Ornstein, who tweeted initially that he was Arsenal's mm. main target. Uh, but since that point, it's been Arteta, it's been Ancelotti, it's been Nuno from Wolves. Um, but I'm a little bit cautious. Arteta mm. was nailed on pre-Emery, right? Everyone thought it was yeah. going to be Arteta yeah. back then. Yeah. So uh, I'm now, not going to jump the gun this time. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting because um, I was looking at the standard as well. So I've got your tweet... I've got so many sources, Max. Um, the standard says, the late edition of the standard says, they still do late edition, they only do one edition, I don't know. Anyway, the standard says, and this is a story um, accredited to Simon Collins and James Olley, who was a regular on this podcast, okay. talks about how um, even though they met with Alteta last night, they're still expected to hold talks this week with a number of candidates, inclu- including Ancelotti, who I believe is on his way to talk to Everton. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a, he's a man in demand. Um, Ancelotti, Allegri, and Patrick Vieira, all still contenders. <laughs> no mention of Poch. Yeah. I mean, what the fuck is going on, Max? I mean, I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, we're all kind of guessing. But I guess the bottom line is, what's your preference right now? I mean, as a bit of a man on the ground, uh, with my opinion... 
Arteta, it's an interesting one. I mean, you look at it, he's worked alongside what is arguably the most sought-after manager in the world, next to Klopp. I mean, yeah. he's, and, he's, and he's assembled one of the best Premier League teams of all time. Um, he's, he's merely supporting, so... Uh, I mean, he's a good option in that sense. So he's been around an immense team and you'd hope he could bring that professionalism into Arsenal. Um, so there's pros for that. But you look at it, he's not got any real registered managerial experience on it, on his own. And he'd need or unregistered. To, yeah. yeah. He'd, he'd, need, he'd need to bring in, you know, an experienced backroom staff. Do we have that in... And we'd have to uproot Per and Freddie. I mean, would they would they happily work alongside him? Is is, it's is interesting, is a, isn't is it? Yeah. Of thought. Yeah. Um, because right now, yeah, it's a good point. Because right now we're in this bizarre situation where where um, Freddie in, in his press conferences is making it quite clear, almost embarrassingly clear, mm. that he's not got a support staff apart yeah. from Per and the second second backup it's goalkeeping coach, shocking. which is shocking itself. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you're right. It's an interesting question, isn't it? Would a would Arteta I mean, I looked on. Um, I tweeted about it yesterday, but mm. it was so funny watching the difference between the benches. <laughs> There's yeah. literally an army of yeah. coaches surrounding Pep, and we've got our, our two doof. I mean, got- you know, I love Pep and everything. I was about to call him a doofus. He's not a doofus. He's a lovely man. He's a lovely man. The goalkeeping coach with the iPad and everything, and Freddie is yeah. just. It is this comparison is embarrassing and. If Arteta is going to bring coaching stuff in, is he going to nab some of those people from City, maybe? Or, well, City yeah. wouldn't let him do that. So it, it's an interesting situation, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, and we just got Freddie at the moment in a yeah. snood looking confused. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to mention, talk about Freddie. We will talk about the game. We always yeah. go through the game um, at some point. We will do that. But right now, this is the, this is the, yeah. the, the key issue, isn't it? It's is our fucking manager. Hmm. Um, a number of things I'm getting annoyed about are, one, the fact that, this, this news, if it's true what the standard says, and I, and I have no reason to disbelieve it, and from and what you're, you're saying, mm. Leslie, just potch, unless he said no. A lot of people replied to your tweet saying he said yeah, no. He said I mean, no. who knows if that's true? But you'd think he might say no. Anyway, but what's clear is this process, the Arsenal version of a manager appointment, is so cat-handed, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, why are they interviewing it's loads of people now? It's just, totally embarrassing. And I, look, I mentioned this over the weekend. Just look at, it's embarrassing to mm. look at Spurs, who are flying up the table... Oh. You know, I know I've never wanted... I'm not saying we should have, we should have got him, Twat Features, <laughs> Jose Mourinho, because I hate him. But mm. you have to credit no. their, their um, chairman, Daniel Levy, and their, their people for going there oh, yeah. and within an hour or two hours of getting rid of Pochettino, yeah. one of the greatest managers in their history, finding someone, and he's doing the business. He's, he's making common sense decisions right now. Obviously, in a, in a year's time, he'll have probably gone loco as he always, always does. But right now... What they've done seems to make total sense, whereas what we're doing is floundering in a sea of confusion and, and not making decisions, isn't it? I just, I, I, do you agree with me? Do you both agree with me? Right now, my main priority is just them making a decision one way or another. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think Freddie Jumberg agrees with you as well, Boyd, yeah. in terms of yeah. making a decision. So there's a couple of points to look at there. I've been on this podcast a couple of times. I've been critical of Emery. I never was his biggest fan, really. I didn't really see anything happening with him at the club. I didn't see any real improvement on the pitch. However, you do not sack a manager if you do not have a clear plan in place to replace that person. For all of Unai Emery's flaws, he's an experienced manager. He has a backroom staff. He's won league titles. He's won European competitions. There felt like there was a bit of structure at the club, at least. But since removing him from, you know, from his position, it's been a complete shit show. 
Mm. And that's just a fact. If you look at the way Tottenham dealt with Pochettino, their greatest ever manager, now that is a big club. Mm. That is the way a big club... They're not a big club, let me just clarify that. But <laughs> that is the way a big club would operate. Manager out, new mm. manager in. The new manager's in before we get rid of the incumbent, right? Mm. That's not the case with Arsenal. Again, and this links back, and I'll come on to this. I'm, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit fucking pissed off at the moment at Arsenal, to be honest. And excuse my French, because there's a clear lack of leadership at this football club. And it's not the manager. It's not the hierarchy. It's at the very top of the organisation. And I'm sure we'll talk about that quite mm. soon. But I there's a at, lack yeah, of investment. I agree. But did you, I looked at the... Um, after, after the game, and then I, I watched, as, as is my way, I watched, and then I watched, it, watched the... You know the most of it back, and look at what the pundits said on Sky and the um, press conferences and all of that. And mm. Freddie, I thought Freddie, I felt I feel really sorry for him. Mm. And I'm going to preface what I'm about to say with I, I love him. You know, absolute genuine Arsenal legend, most handsome man in football, all of that. Very, still <laughs> very, very good looking, guy. very good looking, very well turned out. I'm loving his jumper, <laughs> jumper plus shirt look. He's working. Paul Not quite as Calvin Klein. No, but day. I think you know. I think he could still pull off the Calvin yeah. Klein. Anyway, more importantly. <laughs> In the um, in his post match interview, love him as I do. I just felt he's he's clearly not. He himself doesn't seem to be fully confident of his ability to do this job. And I felt like him saying not only him actually saying, "Oh, you know, what am I going to do about my no coaching staff?" But when he was asked questions about, for example, you know, the substitution, yeah. you know, yesterday when we had ten men on the pitch when they scored their second goal, which was embarrassing, and yeah. he was like, "Yeah, oh I mean, God. they should. I don't know what the fuck these people. These people don't know what they're doing. My own players don't know what they're doing." I just thought he's not commanding them Mm-mm. in any way, like a kind of with any great confidence. Like you look at Duncan Ferguson. I know comparisons are, are difficult, but at least. Him through his macho, you know, yeah. passion yeah. thing is clearly getting Everton to step up. Whereas I don't feel, apart from 15 minutes in that game against West Ham, where I felt almost like it was barely anything to do with him, it was really just the player suddenly yes. realizing, getting some confidence. It's a bit like the head teacher's away and the supplies in that you like, yeah. and you, you're trying to do a good job for him, but you're just not up to yeah. it. He's a sweet, lovely guy, yeah. but we need the opposite of that, don't we? I yeah. think we need a fucking disciplinarian of some kind. And who knows whether Arteta totally. is that person. And what, what, I, what I'd look at with Arsenal at the moment is, I was saying it to Dean before, I feel like Arsenal under Wenger, we had a way of playing, and we'd play... We, 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 would, we would have an identity and it would be to keep the ball to play wonderful football and in his later years against the better teams we would get found out mm. but we'd stick to that to that style and, and carry it through that to the point of absurdity some would say well yeah and then, but, but, we'd, but, we'd, but we'd bounce back as Dean said and yeah. we'd, we'd yeah. win our home games we'd never lose more than end, three games towards the, towards the end it was souring yeah. so we brought Unai Emery in who was in a, in a sense the complete opposite he worried about the other team yes. loads, yes. and he was very pragmatic yes. in his approach, and would try and you know just neutralise what the opposition had. So much so that we would we didn't have an identity. Mm. Now, right right at the moment, we've got neither, no. and we're, we're no. in big trouble. And I feel like now, like what at least at least the Freddie interim period is, is making it quite clear. In, in all, with all due respect to him, that he's not up to the job, and I think he's almost signalling that himself. It's going, a cry for I, help yesterday. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's a cry for help, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So I feel like they've just got to fucking sort it out. Yeah. And, I, and I think 
I, like, part of me thinks, someone said, someone said to me today, oh, you know, what, the, what might happen is that um, Arteta says, yeah, I'll take the job, but not till the summer because I want to see this rest of the season out and I don't want to piss off Pep. And, you know, I feel, I feel that's not good enough. We can't have, a, we can't have an interim. We could plummet down. I'm serious. You know, we could, if, yeah. we, if we are shit as we were, oh. or as fee, kind of feeble as we were against City, compared, you know, looking at other teams that have performed much better than we have against them, it, it, it's not enough to wait. I, I don't think we can wait for someone. I think we've got to get whoever the best candidate is right now. I mean, I, I went to the to the Arsenal West Ham game. Yeah, um, a friend of mine uh, is in Australia at the moment. So he's West Ham season ticket holder, so I went with his dad and I sat in the West Ham end, oh, um, which which was an experience in itself. Yeah, yeah the London Stadium uh, it's, it's not the best, no. but um, but but sat there and and I was watching us, and for sixty minutes we we were absolutely dreadful. Yeah, like and I, and when when they went one up against us, and they they're a bad team. They're, they're, yeah, shocking. It, they're, and they're paper over cracks against beating Southampton, but us beating them was paper over the cracks. And yeah, we, we were really bad. And I looked at it before the game, and, and when they went one new up, and we, we were passing it around at the back, but we're just doing it with such negligence that mm. there's just no structure to it. And you, if you play at the back like that, you've got to play quickly, and you've, we don't have the players for that. Socrates. Well, we, uh, did it for, we did do it for the 15 minutes, didn't we? We, suddenly, we, we showed that. I mean, I mean, literally, that was it. Yeah, I think, but, I, th- I think once we'd got one, our tails were up. We yeah, sniffed sure. a bit of blood, and, and for sure. ten minutes we were okay. Sure. But you've got to remember, we're playing West Ham, of course, and of they're, course. A, they're a team. Yeah, uh, uh, of course. And then Pellegrini's a dead man walking. So. Yeah. What was painful for me in the last podcast after that West Ham game? You know, I said, my, I, I felt really depressed after the previous game before that. Who was that against when we lost at home to Whiten. someone terrible? Thank you. Yeah. Someone terrible. <laughs> um, they, were, they were right. They played really well that mind. day. But well, the most depressing thing about the Brighton experience was the players clearly shouting at each other and the lack of unity in the team and kind of the, the general kind of bad feeling. The, the, and, but that was back, wasn't it, yesterday? So we, we had a brief period. We had a 15 minutes probably on top where we thought, after the um, the last game, oh, the, the yeah. players are getting on again because they've won. Just because they managed to scrape, got the win. They managed to score three good goals. The youngsters came good, and it was all, and it all seemed kind of so much better for a brief fleeting moment. And then within within the first minute and a half, when Martinelli didn't score that chance, imagine how things might have been different if he had. By the way, let's just plant that idea. But after <laughs> that, when we then didn't have one more shot on target for the rest of the game mm-hmm. and, the, and, the, and the unity of the team disintegrated before our eyes and Ozil's walking off slowly and throwing, kicking his gloves in the end, all this shit. It's back again, isn't it? That, yeah. I feel like the, uh, all, what I'm trying to say is all of these factors add up to me to being we need the strongest possible personality to sort this fucking thing out and someone to come in now to sort it out. Yeah, I agree. We need... In an ideal situation, we need an experienced manager with a backroom staff to come in and make an immediate impact. It's different to what we've had before. But Arsenal are purely a confidence team right now. Yeah, They are purely playing on confidence. And that is not... And there is none. There's very there is none. If, if we'd have scored that goal, don't you think... Like, we'll talk about the game. Yeah, it could have been different for sure. But like that... At the start, like if, the, the, I remember the comment, uh, watching, uh, the com- watching about the commentators was going, well, this is a good start for us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Um, I mean, got a run and shot on and target. And then that was literally it. Yeah, yeah it was it? the only shot on target in the game, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But I just think it, it's incredible how mentally weak we are. Like, I think it's absolutely kind of almost sewn into the fibre of, our, of our squad. And it has been for a long, long time. And it's painful, isn't it, how they can't rouse them. They can't get over this thing. Oh, totally. And that's why I was saying they're a confidence team. When, when we score a goal and we're confident, we yeah. look okay. 
Yeah. But when we're not scoring a goal or when we're not playing well, yeah. we look like a team that can be cut through so easily. And for a big club like Arsenal to be purely reliant on confidence, no structure, no coaching really embedded into the players. And I was talking to Max about this earlier. Arsenal's in-game management is horrific. There was mm. a stat about, you know, it's our first away win coming from behind in the Premier League for about seven or eight years, I think it was. Yeah. That just shows yeah, it's incredible, yeah. the mental fragility yeah. in that football club right yeah. now. Whereas when it doesn't go our way, i.e. we don't get the first goal, we collapse. Uh, and that is a football club that has serious, deep-rooted yeah. problems right now. And I think you know it's going to take a lot of work to change that as a personnel issue. But again, I'll come back to my initial point. It goes right to the top of the football club. The mm. real lack of desire and ambition at the top of that football club to be the greatest football club that we can be filters down into the management hierarchy, into the coaching staff, into the players. And as a result, you know, we get what we've got at the moment. On that uh, delightful positive note, let's take a quick <laughs> break and we'll talk more about the, specifically about the game yesterday after this break. Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast brought to you by me, Mark and my co-host Bethan. Each week we take a deep dive into the dark world of true crime. Cases have ranged from the murder of Christina Abbott, a high-class escort who was killed by a sadistic client, to the Peru 2, a pair of young women convicted of smuggling drugs in South America. Whilst always respectful to the victims of these crimes, we do like to tell each story in our own unique style, with humour and lots of f***ing swearing. Join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red, a true crime podcast, wherever you get yours. And we're back from the break. Um, Max, you watched the game yesterday. Um, a couple of things to, to specifically. I mean, I know we, we, we were... For me, like, the most... Among the many depressing things, I mean, so many things were depressing. The Ozil situation, I'll ask you about in a minute. That was really miserable. But um, just the second half, it felt like, it, at least in the first half, I know City scored three goals. We had that chance. And at least it felt like Martinelli, Pepe, I mean, those two, actually, particularly, in a, were, were trying their best as young, very, very young and experienced, but skillful, you know, forward attacking players. Mm. I thought Aubameyang was was anonymous wasn't it and clearly frustrated yeah. uh, not happy Ozil beyond anonymous for me like I mean you know one or two nice passes I mean fucking hell that's what he's there for <laughs> um, but comparing to De Bruyne who was like a oh, masterclass wow. of what you know someone attacking mm. midfield player I mean whatever just incredible unbelievable contrast I know they're different players but really yeah. just undoubtedly. but what I'm trying to say is Amid all these depressing factors at least in the first half I felt they were trying to mm. attack and trying and, uh, to get over the confidence issue, not then the second half was like they almost decided we just have to not concede any more goals because it's going to get embarrassing, and it was excruciating. Yeah, like nothing happened. I don't know what you felt. Well, just I think once that third went in and, and half time came, it, the game was won, and we came out and we were a beaten team, which it shouldn't be. But and I think that alludes to what Dean, what you were saying earlier, the team is just so mentally weak um, in that aspect. It, it was it was really disappointing to see, but as you say, I, I think I think De Bruyne just had his way with us, and he, mm. he, he was saying how he just isolated that space yeah. um, just in front of that back four, where our where our midfield aren't picking him up, and absolutely ran the game. Do you reckon if we asked an Arsenal player 
a tactical question like that, they'd be able to come up with an eloquent answer like Kevin De Bruyne did about, I'm going to find the space in the pocket behind the player. No, why? They're not being told that by the coaching staff. They're Mm. not being coached in a way that's going to allow them to play against any kind of opposition and in a game adapt accordingly. Look at Brendan Rodgers at Leicester, right? His ability to coach that team. So regardless of what scenario, scenario A, B, C or D, they can adapt in the game. They can play counter-attack. They can play possession football. They can play defensive because they've been coached so well and they're tactically aware. Arsenal have been lacking that for such a long time now. But, you know, there are a few bright sparks. I don't want to be completely negative. I'm feeling a bit down about yeah. Arsenal right now. But if you look at Martinelli... Yeah. yeah. Martinelli's a massive... I've been really, I've been really impressed with him this season. Massive plus. When are we going to yeah. sell him? No, when he can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do we think, though... Look, can we talk about the, the, the team selection and the tactics and everything? So I, I was happy was because he basically kept as much as he could because obviously we had injuries... Um, defensive injuries mainly, and uh, Xhaka was out, wasn't he? But he stuck to basically the, f- the team and formation that won against West Ham. And I thought that was, I mean, what, what much more, couldn't do much more. He could have brought Lacazette back in I as experience. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of Lacazette's biggest fans, and I, I think there are actually people who have been on this podcast, like Alan Alga has slagged him off and said his, you know, his away form was terrible. By the way, I looked up the stats, and his stats are much better than Giroud's because we had that discussion, just saying. <laughs> anyway, I really think, I really like Lacazette. I think he's been in dodgy form, as have everyone, pretty yeah. much, apart from the youngsters, right? But I think he was in dodgy form. He was in Giroud's for a long time, came back, hasn't been brilliant, but he still gives us, I think, more sometimes up front on his own or, you know, the, the yeah. possibly even Aubameyang. And I fucking love Aubameyang. screen record obviously much better. But with that question open, I, still th- I was still in favour of the team selection broadly. It seemed to make sense to pick the team that did manage to score three goals, albeit against West Ham. But will you disagree, Max? You, would, you weren't happy with that? I just think at the moment the, the most concerning thing for us is, is we're not creating chances. So... I think on form-wise, I think Lacazette would have got in over Ozil for me. Oh, but, okay, yeah. But because we're not because we're not creating chances, in your head you're thinking, well, if Ozil's there, maybe we've got more of a half chance of, of creating more chances. But I just think, you know, as you say, confidence is so dire with everyone at the moment. It's, it's So would you have had Lacazette, Aubameyang, and um, Martinelli, and Pepe? I mean, it's difficult to say because obviously he played on Thursday night, but he did score, didn't he? So yeah. I, I think in a form sense, he probably felt a bit hard done by to miss out. And then he did not look happy. the camera panned yes. around to him with his hood up. And, and he was not even, not, he, was not a, he didn't come on at yeah. all. He wasn't engaged in the I game. was surprised by that. Yeah, yeah. I felt like, I mean, Ozil's almost got no competition at the moment. Um, unless yeah. you play Marcus Unless you play Cam. Joe Willock, who I think... I like Joe Willie, but I think he's I don't, one I for think the future. I think it's big boots to fill if, you, if you're dropping Ozil and putting yeah. him in oh, there. Completely, so, completely, yeah. So, yeah, I think it, it, the team almost, in a sense, picks itself in that respect. But um, don't you, I think, but, I, I now start to feel, I mean, this is, you know, you know, fuck knows, what do I know? But I now almost start to feel like, I, I think the Ozil situation is, is, yeah. is coming to head again, all yeah. over again. But I personally feel that was embarrassing. Yeah. The walk off, the kicking of the thing. He he was so so mediocre, and I just feel maybe it's time to go back to the four three three option, um, especially considering how also weak we are in midfield. And fuck knows what's happened to Torreira and Guendouzi, but it's shocking, isn't oh. it? And I, at least if there's three of them, maybe <laughs> with a with a front three 
of I don't know Lacazette or Bamiang and, and Pepe or maybe Mart- or Martini or what, per many any from from our front I don't know it just feels I just feel, I'm at field is a huge problem at the moment and what you were saying about the coaching was interesting about De Bruyne because actually because I thought uh, he talks he talks quite a good coaching game does, um, yeah. Freddie Fred, he was talking about transitions he said the word transitions about eight times in the post match well, in every press conference he yeah had. <laughs> everyone loves to talk about transitions now by the way yeah but we well, don't well, seem to be doing anything about them no one <laughs> talked about them five years ago in fact two years ago no one was talking about them um, so that's become a buzzword he did use the buzzword and yeah. seemed and obviously he knows what the fuck he's doing and I'm sure some of the players must understand the idea that you don't I mean Pepe again Alan Alga frequent guest was pointing out that Pepe should, yeah. was at fault for, for basically being swept aside so easily for two of their goals which is fair enough but I think actually when there's no lines there's no lines behind him doing anything and just letting De Bruyne flow freely through yeah. all of our lines at will in about three oh. seconds I, I feel to blame Pepe right now, who again is one of the few bright sparks. He had some great, you know, moments of dribbling. At least, is I think he, it's not him to blame. It's everyone else, isn't it? I think I think Man City just exploited us yesterday. We were we were naive going into the game, and and and, and that's it, as you say. Really, I, mean, I think I think to blame Pepe is a bit harsh. And but we've we've got we've got we don't we don't know what we're doing in that aspect. And, no, uh, I feel like I mean I mean the, the second goal um, was was with, with Kalasnyak. Yeah, that right. That that's that's that summed that's, it up, that's, didn't it? That was problem. absolute premium I mean, Arsenal activity, wasn't it? To, how, how many times have you seen? Have you, how many times have you seen Raheem Sterling come in on that left side, on the right side this season, and just cashing at the back incredible, stick? Yeah, and, you, and he, he's not aware there. I think uh, for me, uh, Kalasniak, I think I think he's all right going forward in a five, yes. uh, at four, and, we, um, and he's had to play like that because. And he's injured, but in a four, I think he's. I think he's very suspect. Oh, completely, yeah. And now we've got this fullback situation. Right? We've got a, a bit of a fullback crisis. A crisis we? Definitely, yeah. I mean, yeah. what, what the fuck are we going to do with that? We're going to need to dip into the market in January. No, but in the next we've few games, back, we're going to have yeah. to have Saka. Presumably, unless you know, it looked like quite a vaguely yeah. serious injury to Klasnick. Twisted his ankle, didn't he? Twisted yeah. his ankle. Yeah. What about great. the not? And what about the not? The, the substitution situation oh. that Saka, mm. poor boy, had too many layers of clothing on that he had to get off to get on the pitch, allowing Man City the freedom of that side oh, to score their next the cringe, goal cringe, I mean again like every, I mean, it's almost like the whole thing was a fucking satire on how pathetic we are <laughs> isn't it like no one else there's no other major team in, in, in the world that does this stuff is there I, I mean maybe it's just us because we, we're used to it week in week out but it's fucking shocking it's unacceptable isn't it it really is for a club like Arsenal Jamie Carragher said on commentary you know, Arsenal should towards the end of the game Arsenal shouldn't be fielding the likes of Maitland-Niles Willock did he um Emil Smith-Rowe, yeah. uh, who else was on there? Saka, yeah. you know, against Manchester City in the Premier League. Yeah. Should they be fielding that side towards the end of the game? You know, absolutely not. And I think our issue, again, it just... I don't know. Boy, we could rewind five years and we could probably be having a similar conversation. Uh, on the Wenger, you know, yeah. last couple of years under oh, Emery. Well, someone tweeted, this has annoyed me, someone tweeted some Wenger obsessive. You can always tell the Wenger obsessive. Was it me? Absolutely, <laughs> wasn't you. I actually have a picture of him on their profile on Twitter. Like, that's really, okay, uh, you know, just have some perspective. Shrine but someone, someone tweeted, he may have been a friend of yours, I don't know, <laughs> going, oh, you know, this was, this would never have happened under Wenger, but I'm paraphrasing, blah, blah, blah. Of course, the exact thing happened under Wenger. We lost 3 0 at home in that period where we kept losing to them 3 0 in 100%. various competitions. I think, yeah, we've it's lost. Almost, the, the, the tedium is. It's, it's, it's what's changed. It, what's changed? Well, that's nothing the has changed, and that's why we need to look above the coaching staff, above the managerial setup. Because let's be honest, we've changed Ivan Gazidis. He's gone. We've still got the same problems around recruitment and player sales. But if we look at the actual team itself, five years ago, to give Wenger his credit and what you said, Max, we would wipe the floor. 
you know, with the bottom half of the table at home. And we would pretty much win all of those games 2-1, 3-0, 3-1, sometimes even 4-0 and 5-0, right? So when we but lose... I think, I, 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 think I, I know what you're saying, just, and, I, and I know I'm biased because I, you know, I, yeah. I thought Wenger should go five years ago. But all I'd say today is I think everyone now is better in this league. I think this league is much, okay. much harder than it was back then. I think the top four was way harder. Yeah. And now everyone is capable. Like the Crystal Palaces and the Wolves and the Sheffield Uniteds, these aren't teams you're going to roll over, apart from what, the yeah. one that lost 9-0 or whatever, 8-0 or 9-0. But genuinely, those teams, I and mean, we're in the middle of them all right now, there's loads yeah. of those teams you consider easy walkover teams back in the, in the Wenger period, th- that period. But that's, they're not like that now. They're all very, very finely coached, kind of aggressive, difficult teams to play. Agreed to an extent, and I think right. the, the money in the Premier League has been a bit of a leveller. Yeah. <clears throat> but I'm just looking at Wenger's final season Here at home go. in the Premier yeah. League. Right? And look, I'm pretty much on the fence when it comes to Wenger. I felt it was time to go, but I don't think it was as bad as people made out. But what I will say is in his last season at home, 5-1 against Everton, 5-0 against Burnley, 5-0 against Huddersfield, 4-1 Crystal Palace, 4-1 West Ham, yeah, but... 3-0 Stoke, Watford yeah. and Bournemouth, and 4-3 against Leicester. So what I'm trying to allude to here is... We had the same problems in the big games that we have today. Mm. But there was always a caveat. We'd lose two or three games. And I remember Wenger always used to say in a press conference, we just need to win a game. It's all about confidence. And we would never go four, five, six games without a win like we have done this season. We'd get a win and we'd bounce back. Oh, yeah, this is unique right now. Massive but that's unique, yeah. yeah. But, but these issues that we talk about today, yeah, like sure. the, the underlying problems, the deep-rooted issues at Arsenal Football Club around accountability, you know, structure in the, in the first team, you know, defensive nous and ability to, you know, win a game with a bit of gamesmanship. You know, we've been talking about this for many, many years. Yeah. But ultimately, I think that stems from the lack of investment in terms of care and desire to win but, at the top. Okay, can I just... One thing about lack of investment, we've actually spent quite a lot of money. No, not, not, not just The money. net spend... Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, it's, the recruitment has been diabolical. Sure. But that goes back to the Wenger period. These Half of these defenders, most of these defenders oh, yeah. are his signings. It goes back to the Wenger I period, mean, but the net spend thing is, uh, again... That's more linked to our inability to sell anyone for a decent fee. If you look at actual gross spend, sure, all of the big clubs know, have spent more money than Arsenal, aside from Tottenham, I think, in the last... I think, actually, Tottenham have spent more money than us in the last 10 years. But our inability, and this comes back to the issues at the football club, to sell a player for a decent fee, Robin Van Persie, Alexis Sanchez, Aaron Ramsey, we yeah. could probably go on, it means that we're unable to invest sure. at the same levels. Sure. We can... We should... We, I mean, you know, I'm as guilty <laughs> as anyone, but re, 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 re-litigating the, the Wenger thing. One question I have got, this suddenly struck me okay. yesterday, whenever... He, how good is our squad? Now, I'm going to be honest. I, let's be honest. Right. When we had that transfer window where we signed Pepe and Martinelli yeah. and the boy who's from, who can't play for us for a year in defence is coming next year. Was it, um, Saliba. Yeah, Saliba and Ceballos. Tierney as well. Tierney. Now, I'm sorry. Oh. I think every Arsenal fan was happy with yep. that. Licking my lips. New right. manager. Licking your lips. Yeah. Exactly. Aren't we all, haven't we all been guilty, really, as Arsenal fans? I feel almost like, I feel embarrassed, really, because I feel like I've been lulled, I was like lulled into the idea that this is what we, yeah, it's great, it's brilliant. Where the fuck? We signed David Luiz. (laughs) And even then I feel absolutely mortified by the fact that I I, I bought the myth that he was actually, was really good. And that, you know, all this bullshit, Jamie Carragher did say Luiz should be nowhere near the team. I thought that was, you know, he's been diabolical. I mean, last week, someone on the podcast said he wasn't that bad I think he's been a terrible absolutely awful has not brought anything you think he brought some you know experience terrible um, 
and the rest of them absolutely fucking useless. But to not go out and try and find as your priority a world class defender, central oh. defender particularly, feels now like an incredible abrogation of responsibility. And I know it's easy said than done. But we spent a lot of money on attackers, effectively. I mean, it's it's difficult, really, because you hear a lot of people say, "Well, if you put Van Dijk in Arsenal's defence, they're still going to be exposed." No, I don't believe that. He he he'd well, sort a lot of it out, wouldn't he? I mean, you'd like to think so, but because Liverpool Liverpool fans thought the same thing about their defence until he arrived. They, the Liverpool defence was pretty shit. Yeah, I'm, sorry, I'm in trouble. Well, I, I did see a tweet yesterday that said Arsenal will always be champions of backing off at the attackers until they were at our goal line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, we're, I mean... Well, Carragher was saying how we back off when we should um, go atta- yeah, yeah. attack them. When we attack them, we should back off. Mm. And they literally, it's like they make the wrong decision every single step of the way. And I think that's been the case for five, ten years now. I mean, yeah, we're, 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 we're textbook bad. Hard so to so my, my question was, just to remind, I've just remembered my own question to myself yes. is, is the squad... Nowhere near as good as we thought it was. Did you think it was? Did you know? Are we all deluding ourselves? Did we think it was better than it was? Or I still think, even despite the fucking defensive situation, I do think they're the worst group of defenders in in a major club in world football. But I still think, I still think with Torreira, I'm clinging to the idea that Torreira, you know, when he plays international football, he was great. It seemed to make sense at the time when he when we bought him. Guendouzi like seems to have the power and the passion to. I just feel like they need coaching. I feel, I feel like with Torreira... Or are they not good enough? I feel like with Torreira, I mean, international football is, is a different kettle of fish, really. Yeah. I mean, and, and he's kind of getting... I don't know if he's getting found out, but he's not had the consistency that, uh, that we would have liked of him. Um, Gwenduzi, I feel like... I've been, I've, been, I've been pleased by him in, in a lot of games, and it feels like when it's kind of a big occasion, like a North London derby, or we are playing a big team, he is one player that you can kind of... I say rely on to step up, and he'll he'll you know try his hardest. I, I was kind of kidded by the squad at the start of the season, like everyone else. I thought, oh, well, we probably won't win the league this season, but maybe in a couple of years, yeah, yeah, we could we think did. about yeah. it because you know you think about it, we've had we've got two great fullbacks with Bellerin and Tierney there. Maybe you might say we bought the myth that David Luiz was was still good, yeah. um, but then you look at him at Chelsea last season and he wasn't. And I thought maybe he just needs a change of scenery and he, mm. he'd be back to it. But it's just been the it's been a bit of a chaotic David Luiz since he's come here. Mm. Yeah. Um, Socrates, I mean, just not, just 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 no. not at it. No. Callum Chambers, <laughs> I, I absolutely love Callum Chambers, but he's not good enough for no. Arsenal. No. He won Fulham's Player of the Season last year. I think that I, I, I love him, but I think that's more his level. He had a shock yesterday, didn't he? He had a shock. He, he just he doesn't look confident when he's on the ball. No. And at Arsenal, you need just a, the decision making. You, you need a yeah. centre back who's going to come in and 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 stand with his chest out. Like I know it's a bit of a bit of a cringe one, but like a Tony Adams, yeah. like a Virgil Van Dijk, who will lead from the back, get the ball into midfield, playing with pace. Yeah. Um, I think in the midfield, Granite Xhaka, I mean, yeah. uh, the, the thing with Granite Xhaka and, and everything that's happened this season, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one because I was speaking to a friend of mine yesterday and he said, oh, he's like, oh, I wouldn't have it with Granite after, after everything that happened at the Emirates and telling the fans to fuck off and everything. And I said, listen, if he came back into the team and started playing well, 
then I think that's all forgotten. And I think people would get on with it. But he hasn't played well. He's been, no. he's been terrible. Yeah. And, and we're, we're at a bit of a lost cause, especially with that midfield. Dean, is, is it a, is it a um, squad that actually is, isn't that great at all? And have, have we been completely deluding ourselves? Look, we're football fans, right? We get excited when we sign new players and we always hope for the best. That's, part of, <laughs> that's, a, that's part of supporting a football club. But I think the reality is when we look at our players, we're maybe a top seven side, you know, cold light of day we are a top seven side in the Premier League in terms of the personnel that we have and one of the issues that that is overlooked massively is our midfield which is just shameful I think I said yesterday it is so bad for a football club of Arsenal's stature to be relying on a guy who was playing in the second division of the French League a couple of seasons ago but did you think Terrell was going to be a good he he felt like a good purchase at the time I'm happy with him but He seems like he's been played out of position for too long that he's forgotten how to play his original position. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, he's just lacking confidence massively. That entire team can do with a confidence boost, right? But, you know, structurally, in order to get any kind of long-term success, there's going to be some fundamental changes needed. Um, Xhaka, I agree with you. You know, I've been a fan of him. I think he's good at getting the ball, recycling it around the team yeah. and helps us keep possession. But he makes too many mistakes and they often lead to a goal or a chance for the opposition. So, you know, you can't afford to have somebody in your team that does that. And I think his recent outburst towards the fans is not going to help him. I think he's going to be the next player to really be out of the door, mm. you know, come the summer. After what, about, like it, yeah. what about the Ozil situation? Two things about the Ozil situation. One is the walk-off yesterday and the form. And B, we've got this political thing going on with the Chinese <laughs> yeah. Muslims, which is fascinating <laughs> to me. And I completely back... So, I, 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 go, I, I completely back him. I think it's brilliant that he's, that he's spoken out for the for the Muslims in China, because what's happening to them is terrible. I watched that panorama programme and it's awful. My issue with him is that, you know, his moral compass is all over the place because this is the man who invited Erdogan to his wedding. And Erdogan, I'm sorry, you know, if you, if you, if you, I don't know how much you know about him, but for me, he's an anti-Semitic, homophobic, borderline dictator. And I don't think, I think it's bizarre, actually. I think it's great to make a stand, but to do so when that is the most famous thing we know about your politics... Is, is weird, I think, on him. I'd love someone to interview him about it. And I know, like, um, I know, I know people like The Athletic have contacts with him. They did an interview with him recently. But they didn't ask him about him inviting him to his wedding, which was extraordinary. So I'm like, for me, Ozil's politics are as confusing and bewildering <laughs> as his performances on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, you, you've said it there. And I work, in, I work in PR, so I'm sure that was probably on the no-go list. Yes. <laughs> um, but do you got... I mean, I back his right to yeah. say it. Do you... I mean... I mean, but I think it's embarrassing for Arsenal to not support him, I have to yeah. say, because they... I mean, you know, we're... Do you say we, re, I mean, we need the Chinese money so much? I mean, it's obviously... It's a corporate instinct, isn't it, to immediately... Yeah. Dif- distance yourself from that. Yeah, distance yourself. But they didn't distance themselves from Hector Bellerin saying, don't vote Conservative on Thursday night. And I think in the past, Wenger's talked about politics quite openly, who he'd vote for and stuff like that. I think you're right. You're either apolitical or you're not. Yeah. yeah. It's as simple as that, really. Yeah. And I think Arsenal have, you know, muddied the lines a little bit by getting involved in this. Obviously, they've got clear commercial interests in China. And from a PR perspective, it's a bit of a nightmare, I think, for Arsenal. Yeah. And for him, anyway, he's... You know, they've shut down his fan club in China. They've removed his name from every... They're burning pictures of him. They're burning... Removed from Google. Removed from Google. It's it's awful, isn't it? I I think it's an awful situation, but... It's a tough one. I think, you know, everyone, especially in today's climate, is entitled to their opinion, whether it's political. But, you know, when you've got the hypocrisy of, you know, supporting one person... And, look, I have limited knowledge on both cases. But, as you say, the hypocrisy of supporting one side of things and then, you you know, castigating another side of the you know the fence it's mm. it's a difficult you leave yourself open to being called a hypocrite um 
And I think it, it's a real tough one. You know, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but you know, you know, say keep uh, politics out of football. The, <laughs> okay, okay. the, the, the walk-off thing I thought was just. I think there's so. I think we've he got didn't get so the same m- treatment as Zaka, did he? No, because he he just about reined it in, didn't he? Like he didn't. I felt like. He walked off, and, Z- and Xhaka walked. Off. A-, a Xhaka is much more popular player than him, isn't he? Yeah. I think like Urzo is a divisive figure, yeah, sure. but he's got his huge fan base oh, so obsessed with him. Well, he's got more followers than Arsenal, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he is. A, he he's is huge, an, like, yeah, he's an icon. He's a huge iconic figure, which for me makes his lack of consistency and lack of contri- contributions to the team even more depressing. Yeah, hundred percent. But that walk off, and then it's the kicking of the glove. He's, I, I feel I, I'm not going to single him out particularly, but I think him, Xhaka. I think we've got a lot of egomaniacs who aren't who are completely absorbed by themselves and their images. Totally, and, yeah. The way they behave off the pitch well, compared all, to yeah, on the pitch. Exactly. Why, why don't you show that fight on the I, pitch? I feel like, yeah, that, that was a real thing for me. And, and he's coming off and he knows the world's watching him and he's thought, just I'm going to... embarrassing. I, I mean, I love Ozil, but I feel like yeah, he's me thinking... Too. He's a big fan. I feel like I'm think, he's, think, he's walking off and he's thinking, I know the world are watching me, I'm going to show I care a bit and then like, kick my gloves or something. And also, what does it say it's, when... I can understand... He's clearly... He, obviously, his whole period with um, Emery was difficult. Right, and yeah. that, and I almost understood that. I remember in the was it in the final in the Europa League final, he called him like a not a coach, you're not a coach, not a coach. And I, I, yeah. that I, I'm not, you know, I mean, I think that was out of order. But yeah. I can understand that because if you've been clearly, you know, had an issue, had a difficult relationship, you've been dropped regularly, and blah blah blah. This guy didn't didn't trust you clearly. But Freddie, to, to, you know, he he, abso- he was absolutely right to substitute him. He was contributing nothing, and his reason for substituting, saying I needed more energy, was exactly made sense. Um, and to do that to Freddie, of all people, your current interim yeah. manager, yeah. clearly, I thought that was just really pathetic. Yeah, it was a poor way to react, wasn't it? But I think, again, we're, we're, <clears throat> we're picking out kind of individuals and yeah. almost anecdotes from the matches and what's happening. You know, if I was to ask you, you guys both a question, genuinely, do you believe if we employ Arteta as our manager, things are going to fundamentally change at Arsenal? Oh, that is well. You think you're nice. You think a million dollar question? Yeah, you've, that's a good, very good question that yeah. I should have asked hours ago. <laughs> I was about to. I was about to, Dean. That was going to be my climactic question. Do you know what? It's a very right. This is my. I've been broadly against Arteta as an option ever since we first approached him eighteen months ago, and then changed our mind at the last minute and gave the job to Emery. Right. Because of all the obvious reasons, I just feel I, I feel there's absolutely no. Everyone's saying, "Oh, we hear such good things." Blah blah blah. It's all. It's all. Who Conjecture. knows? Nobody really knows. It's yeah. when you're looking at the risk factor of appointing a new manager. He seems much more risky to me than other options like Allegri. He, you know, even Vieira. If you're looking at because Vieira has managed, you know, I think at two clubs hasn't he? Two clubs. Yeah. So he's got that experience. Yeah. And I, so if you're looking at for a legend, who's Vieira, of course, has also got a bit of, a bit of pep. Pep action going on in his in his um, recent history. He hasn't been at his side throughout. Like like, but I just feel that is a risk. But having said that, and I'd much rather an Allegri, um, much rather a Pochettino. I mean, that would be the dream for me. Ancelotti. I saw I, I saw the discussion on Sky after the game where I think was it um, Carragher said no, it wasn't. He was wrong. And but then. Um, Bakri Sanya, Sanya yeah. said he's he spoke good very well. He spoke yeah, very, he well. yeah, he was good. Wasn't he? Brilliant. he was good. He was brilliant. I think I might actually... I know people People say, Angelos, he's only good when he arrives at a big team with big players and he's not good. Who knows? For me, I thought it, it does feel like a gamble. But right now, I'm so... I, I think the focus should be so much on getting someone with some kind of yeah. vision. And I do think Arteta would have a vision. Give him the chance to do it. I'm, I'm not too pissed off about it. I, I'm not convinced it would work, but I'd rather... And I think Carragher made one really good point. I'll let you speak in a minute. Sorry, Max. <laughs> no, I right. thought that one of the best points Carragher made was... 
just fucking don't try and please the fans. Don't try and please us. We've all got our opinions. We all can be on Arsenal Fan TV. We can all rant and rave about whoever, whatever happens. And there'll be Arteta out protests <laughs> about a minute after he uses his first game, as there were against Emery on the first, you know, people were against Emery right from the start, and I thought it was really unfair. Fuck all that. Just appoint who you think the best person is. Get someone is. in. Get someone in, right. <laughs> but he was saying how, you know, I mean, Wenger was from Grand Passet, George Graham was from Millwall or whatever, and they, look what they did. So I think just stick to your guns, make a decision. That's my Absolutely. feeling. What do you feel? Um, well, despite my performance maybe on this podcast so far, I think of myself as a bit of an optimist. So I'd love Arteta to come in. And I think maybe with a soft-natured approach that he might have, he might get the best out of our players at the moment. Um, you think I, you need, they, need a, they need a kind of well, uh, holding hands and an arm around the shoulder rather than discipline of, of, a, you well, know, of get, an Allegri? We could get Sam Aladici in, but I don't know. I don't <laughs> well, know he said that today, isn't he? You'd sort the defence out like that. Yeah, yeah but, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like it, it might be an avenue to go down and, as you say, someone with a vision. With, with the likes of like an Ancelotti, I mean... You know he's not going to be want to be there for this. Is the thing with modern day football, though, but if he's going to come now? in for two or three sure. years, do, do you want someone that? to steady the ship, or do you want someone to come in with a vision and change things? I I would personally love like a Nuno. Really? And, yeah, I would. Wow. I would. But but then, I haven't heard that very often. I, I would. I would like him. I, I I like the way he's built teams and 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 gone about things like that. But I'll it, give you this it, about it's, Nuno. It's not a quick fix. I'll say this for Nuno because. Um, I think he has a charisma that I would I would compare to a kind of Klopp, almost Klopp. I mean, Klopp for yeah. me is one of the most people. You know, idiots have dis- dismissed him years ago as being like a clown. It was all show, but of course, he's proven to have to have actual brilliant coaching skills as well as being a very charismatic figure. I look at Nuno and I look at his interviews, and he is a charismatic, interesting, smart, intelligent figure. I look at someone posted the video of Arteta today when he started crying after reminiscing <laughs> about being an Ars- being at Arsenal for so long once he'd gone in a, in a, in a post match interview. I'm like, that's lovely and everything, but I don't see much actual strong charisma there. That again, yeah. but I will support him if he gets the job. Yeah. What do you, what's your answer to your own question? <laughs> well, I think you both make really good points, but <clears throat> with Arteta. There's a, a perception of him being a bit of a nice guy, a bit of a soft touch. My information actually from him as an Arsenal player was quite the opposite. He was a strong leader in the dressing room when yeah, he I've was heard an that, Arsenal yeah. player. And, that he um, ain't, and some people didn't like him. Some people didn't like him. He yeah. spoke up quite often. He actually spoke up against Wenger a couple of times as well as a player at the club. Really? And that's why that's people like mm, yeah. Ivan Gazidis had a lot of time and respect for him so that when Arsene Wenger left, he was one of the first people... They interviewed for the role. Mm. My issue with the Arteta appointment is it's 18 months too late. You know, all of the goodwill that was left behind after mm. Wenger leaving has been eroded by, you know, what's happened over the past 18 months. So I just really think, you know, a manager that's inexperienced, who hasn't been in a job before, if he has a poor six months, everybody's going to point to what? He's never managed a game before in yeah. his life. Yeah. And that's going to be a really easy stick to beat him with. Whereas if you bring someone in like Pochettino, who when he came into Tottenham actually had you know, a bit of a tough start. It wasn't, easy at the beginning but a bit of a track record where he turned things around he managed to get the club into a Champions League final he's got them playing you know a clear style of football there's that background for people to fall back on and not just criticise him for being a manager who hasn't managed a game before so look if you ask me would I be happy with the appointment 
a bit ambivalent to it, to be quite frank. Um, yeah. Ambivalent is the word. Um, I'm ambivalent, <clears throat> but I'm yeah. going to... I'm gonna ambivalent, add, but positive. Yeah, and, and yeah. Unlike, some, positive, of the, unlike sure. some of the fuckos who um, uh, were really horrible about Emery, and I know he was, yeah. a, was a borderline disaster. I, I, I was quite horrible. I know, I'm not having a go at you. <laughs> there were people, you were, I, th- I, I think there were people who treated him with less respect than you did. Yeah. People with no respect and were like, you know... From day one, no, but some from people day one. never gave him a chance. Yeah. Which, yeah. I feel like with, with Emery, though, it was... We're not we're not a hire and fire club with Arsene Wenger, obviously. Yeah. From nineteen ninety six, the year I was born, he's been in. He's been Arsenal manager. Then he and then obviously left. God, and then, are, then, then we. Brought, you are a you are I'm a, youth. I'm a young buck. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. a young buck. So Arsenal, then, Arsenal then we, is Arsene Wenger for you. For, for effectively, yeah. yeah. And then as it is for some of his fans. And, and we've had. <laughs> <laughs> then we've had. Then we've had Unai Emery, in, and I feel like we just so badly wanted it to work. Yes. It was like a girlfriend that you had yeah. and it just wasn't working and you tried yeah. many things. Well, there were a lot of the real proper, the but, real hardcore Wenger obsessives didn't want it to work. Yeah. Like, absolutely 100% did not want it to work. That, I admire the fact that you, that you did, I, but there were a lot of small-minded twats who did not want it to work. And yeah. I think, and those same people were furious that apparently we didn't show um, Wenger enough respect by actually wanting to get rid of him after years and years and years no, of, of underperformance. Like, I feel like we showed him Wenger more than enough respect in the way he yeah. went out. And, and I think it was like a mutual agreement. You know, it, 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 it was time to move it was on. Time to move and on. we've and, and but and still people cling to the idea that it wasn't. I mean, the, there are those people out in there. the recruitment of a new manager. As you say, we're not we're not really used to that process. We don't. We, it's yeah. not something we've dealt with before. So when the time was was waning yeah. with Emery, and it was just another loss. I'm after so old. Loss. I'm so old, Max. That I wrote a feature for when Saturday comes in during the period before they appointed Arsene Wenger, about who we should get as manager. And yeah. I, at the, literally the point where it was rumoured we were going to get him, and other people were... There were much bigger names rumoured. And, of course, and it was a very, it was, fans were furious that we appointed Wenger because he wasn't famous and he'd managed Grandpa's fucking eight in Monaco. And they wanted, you know, a huge, big, world global name to take over. And, you know, I, and, you know it was like... So a lot of us said, just give him a chance. And I think now I feel I will give Arteta a chance. But isn't there a possibility? Yeah. We're running out of time. We've got to do a prediction for the next game. But isn't there... I feel there's a slight possibility that, that Arteta might be doing this over here. I mean, I, I think he might be going, yeah, of course, I'll meet you one in the morning at my house and listen to what the fuck you want. But you did me over 18 months ago. You pretty much gave me the job and then you changed your mind. Well, I'm going to change your mind and say, no, I don't want it. I mean, yeah. it's possible, isn't it? Yeah, and is he going to want to touch it after what he saw yesterday, <laughs> to yeah. be honest? Yeah. Um, well, but he did meet them at one in the morning. He didn't refuse. To, it's weird, isn't it, that, by the way, they didn't meet him after the game. They waited till he'd gone back to Manchester, to Manchester and then, then met him at one in the morning. The whole thing's again. weird. <laughs> and, and, and they weren't you know, discreet enough to keep it away from the press. Like, oh. that just... You know, now, isn't that this someone? Is, right, go on. Now you're a PR. I, I'm, I'm a journalist. We've seen this before. <laughs> someone has got told the photographer to be off, there. Yeah. Who now? It's either. It's was intriguing. It's either Arteta's people, which feels more likely. Yeah. Because I don't see any reason why Arsenal people should alert the, the photographer because mm. they presumably want the process to be as secret as possible right now, especially if they're still interested in these other candidates. Well, so I feel like one of Arteta's people might have done that, and that again makes me suspect. I mean, I'm conspiracy theorising here, but you know that they like so the fact trying to do Arsenal women. Trying to do Arsenal over, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a change to how it used to be? We used to be a club that never used to bring anything to the surface. Well, even everything, the Unai Emery appointment was under the radar. To everything yeah, everything yeah, used yeah. to be under the radar. We yeah. used to, people used to envy Arsenal of how Absolutely, we used to operate. We business, yeah, and now sure. we're, we're a bit of a circus with how 100%, it's 100%. And I think there's some huge issues at the club. But just to come back to my, my question, <laughs> one last point. Yeah. You know, I did say, would Arteta or any manager coming in fundamentally change our... Our fortunes moving forward. Oh yeah, well, that was yeah, yeah. That's, I, I don't, yeah. I, I don't think so. I think unless we have change right at the top of the football club, a bit like, like a bit like what Liverpool did 
uh, I think six or seven years ago with the the leadership well, Hicks they and had. Gillette, yeah, 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 and they basically ousted yeah, the people of that course, were not yeah. interested was, yeah. in the yeah. club being successful. But I agree with that. But all I'd say is, what was more important, getting rid of Hicks and Gillette and bringing this that regime in, or getting Van Dyke and you know, and and <laughs> I mean, almost like actually in the end. They, they still floundered, didn't they? They still didn't sure. quite cross the line, even with Klopp, even with those owners, even with spending a lot of money and yeah. doing brilliant sales and recruitment. When they, they still needed to address them. When they finally got the goalkeeper, Alisson, and him, then yeah. they won. Then they were complete. No, you're absolutely right. Complete. And ultimately, it's good players that win you matches. But if they were still in charge, would they have bought Van Dyke? I don't think so. Yeah, so I think yeah, it's as a result of the change in leadership and the way they've been able to trade effectively in terms of the player yeah. sales, bringing player in, players in. But also the most important thing that they did, aside from the leadership, was they brought in a fucking good manager. A really good manager yeah, under a leadership yeah. team that wants to win and they've recruited really well. Arsenal he, we could have got, if we'd have got rid of Wenger. Yeah, and again, the way that Arsenal <laughs> mismanaged Wenger's last few years yeah. is just an indictment. But anyway. I, I'm slightly <laughs> more optimistic than you because all I'd say is I don't think even this group of players, and I, I've admitted that we, we overestimated how good they were and all of that, the squad, but I still think, I don't think they can play as badly as they are right now and as they have done under Emery. I think Arteta, I think anyone with some kind of vision and experience will whip them into some kind of shape as opposed to how they are now. I just think it needs a leader figure. It needs some kind of a leader, uh, you use that tedious phrase, an elite coaching figure. And hopefully Arteta is that because right now they can't be worse. I hope so, do, you, do you think we need to be concerned about anybody departing um, in the likes of Aubameyang? Oh, or, God, yeah. I mean, that's, I, mean, I mean, you've brought up a whole... I mean, we're running out of time, but you're right. <laughs> we need another I, podcast. I find that... I mean, I, yeah. I feel that... I, it really annoys me the way Aubameyang has a go at the younger players for not giving him the perfect ball as he did again. But having said that, Aubameyang, Lacazette, you know, these... I, I love those those players, and I, and I think they've been our real... You know, I think they've been a real upgrade from what we used to have in the boring days of Giroud. I'm obsessed with Giroud. But, and I would be really sad if they left. But I think it's fairly inevitable, isn't it? Like, mate, unless yeah. uh, someone like Tessa does somehow turn things around and we get in the top four, which is, you know, who knows. But I feel like Aubameyang's already on the phone to his agent going, get me, get me away from these fucking useless twats. <laughs> so I do feel sorry. If, I, I feel like it's so lopsided, our squad. The attack is, like, potentially great, even though yeah. you know, Pepe might let people go past him too much in transition. Mm-hmm. I still feel... They're so good. They must look at everything behind them and go, what the fuck are we dealing with here? And that's my main feeling. Anyway, I've got to have a quick prediction, Max, because this is the format of the podcast. And it's Everton against Arsenal on Saturday at 12.30pm. What's going to happen? I mean, I guess it's like, we might have a new manager by then. I mean, it well, could hopefully be... Hopefully we will it, have a fucking it, new manager. I mean, hopefully it's not battle of the interims. Um, which, which it could be. Um, but, you know, it's a tough one, Goodison Park. The Gladys Street will be roaring, so... Duncan will be... Duncan, be big Dunk will be th- getting them riled, riled up. I think, I think one thing's a potentially a formality, that if we go one down, then that, that will be it. Um, but oh, I'm, 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 on, I'm on this podcast to be positive, so... Okay. I mean, let, let's hope Arteta's in. And let's hope for a 2-1 win. Bold. If we have a new manager in place by Saturday, I think we win 2-1. And if it's Arteta, it may be written in the stars. Everton. Ex-Everton, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, They might have Ancelotti by then as well. I mean, you know, it'd be weird, (laughs) wouldn't it? How would that happen? It's bizarre, isn't it? I know. Um, I God, it's completely... It's one of the most it's hardest predictions ever because we just don't know who's going to be in charge or who's going to be in charge of them. What the fuck? I mean, I'm going to go... I'm going to all draw. Thank you so much, Max... Oh, and Dean, what a pleasure! Thank you. Um, Cheers, chaps. In, in what is what could be, you know, 
by the time this book goes out, we could have a new manager. Maybe we won't. Thank you very much. And we'll be back next Monday, I think, for our final podcast of the year. Cheers. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.